Retro Rebel Gamecast is brought to you by TempleofGeek.com, your one-stop shop for all things geek. You can find all of our episodes and fulfill your sci-fi, fantasy, and geek culture-related needs at TempleofGeek.com. Welcome to the Retro Rebel Gamecast, where we discuss gaming and related topics. Retro Rebels released Fridays, and you can find this episode and much more by heading to TempleofGeek.com, iTunes, or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. You can even find us on Facebook at Temple of Geek for exclusive content and to see what else we're up to. My name is Stacy, and with me is my fellow Rebel co-host, Amanda. Hello. You know, in the script, uh, and, I, and I kind of read it, I don't really read it anymore. It's just kind of a prompt, and then I just go into a trance say the words um but i don't have rebel co-host written in there i never did i just said it and it just stuck and i like it excellent yeah i like it um and i got fridays right this time because we will release two episodes in january which is fine um that would be like a good that's a that's a good goal that's like the the baseline the standard and then if we can get more out we will Listen, as I said from the beginning, the problem is on your side of the Oh, computer. I know it. There is no Person doubt. who just got a new puppy. Yeah, a new puppy, and you're not even talking about the two-year-old baby I have, you know, so. Listen, the baby's old news, yeah? we The baby's this old news. True. Now you got a puppy as well. It, it's yeah, like you invite baby, drama. The thing about the baby is um, the puppy is going to exponentially age out of being an issue, you know, in terms of the, the rate of speed at which it will age. So in the next few months, it's like an adult. The baby will be a baby for like three and a half years. And then after that, it's a helpless, very small person that can run and walk and dress itself to a certain extent and usually will go to the bathroom where they're supposed to. You know, then, then kind of you have a little bit of freedom, a little bit. You know, you don't have to worry if they went into another room unsupervised that they are for sure going to die. Wow. You know, do something <laughs> the concerns that will kill are them. real. You know, it's, man, the struggle is real. The, the fear is real. The potential dangers out there in the world are real. I mean, I guess it's a little different than wandering out of your hut and being eaten by a predator animal. Um, but, you know, sticking... You know, sticking one of your pretend metal forks from your little kitchen set into a light socket is a real thing, you know. So. Listen, I was talking to my mom about this. No one knows the thrill of getting electrocuted. Listen, it was great. It was great fun. I used to do it all the time. It's brilliant. <laughs> we used to have, you know, those, uh, those, and never buy these if you're a parent, by the way, because they're too much fun to get electrocuted with. But you know those, like, candles <laughs> for Christmas that, like, there was usually, they were usually, like, individual and they had, like, orange bulbs? This is, like, the 80s we're talking about. Anyway, if you plug that bad boy in and you take that bulb out, boy, it's fun to stick your finger in and get a little zap. That's exciting. I oh used to take gosh. that thing into the bathroom and just zap myself for hours. It was brilliant. <laughs> I mean... That's an episode, isn't it? Yeah, I know. Yeah. I told my mom about this over Christmas. She's like, you did what? And I was like, yep, see, you didn't pay that much attention, did you? <laughs> Needed a little, yeah, more supervision. And I'm I'm not like a busybody at all. In fact, I'm very much tried to be the parent that my parents were, but I'd also kind of wanted them to be in a way in, in that I'm not their friend. You know, this is not a parenting podcast. But the bottom line is, is I do like to know what's going on. And, I, and if I get an answer that seems sufficient, that's it, and I don't pry. And the baby doesn't talk much, so I kind of have to be all up in her business. Well, the but, 80s were the Wild West, man. <laughs> I'm telling you. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, we pretty much just got left to do whatever you were going to do. Go outside. My brother and, got a BB gun when he was like eight. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't much older. I was maybe 10, and we shot each other, you know, and... And I lived in the city, like concrete jungle city. There were no deer in any in a thirty mile radius. There was no, there were no deer coming into my neighborhood. There were only other kids that you shot. At least I didn't shoot like cats and birds. Or well, like I think that, if you had done that, that would have been serious serial killer territory. So well, you know, probably. like the thing is, is we're learning a lot about ourselves right now. And you and your electrocution. Uh, 
It's issue. super fun. I'm telling you, you should. Try, I mean, don't try it. I don't <laughs> anyone try this. But uh, back in me, the '80s, it was yeah. fun. Well, they yeah, like you said, in the '80s, I played hide and seek in the dumpsters behind the. There we had a bunch of stores, uh, right in front of me with an alleyway. And like I said, I grew up in a city, city. So like right behind each one of the stores was were dumpsters, and most of them were full of of cardboard boxes. And definitely not needles. No needles. Not not here. It was the 80s. That was more crack. It wasn't heroin. So, um, and so anyway, but in these dumpsters, it was mostly uh, cardboard boxes. And we didn't, we didn't encounter any needles, to, to my knowledge, anyway. I didn't. But there was one dumpster that if you jumped into it at the wrong time, it was full of, like, old produce. And, yeah, I know. You'd, we didn't always jump in there but every now and then we that would be it's a great place to hide nobody's looking for you in there you know so anyway and man. that's why moms like you choose tide washing powder <laughs> god well we didn't need tide pods i can tell you that we jumped in dumpsters but we didn't need tide pods but that, that brings us seamlessly to video games and and what we've been doing because I can promise you I haven't been jumping any fences or dumpsters. What? No, I haven't been sticking my fingers in any old defunct Christmas candles. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Or smelling any candles lately? You have no one's bought Gwyneth Paltrow's candle, so. Oh no! Horrendous. Horrendous. But you may have done something. Have you played any games? I have, I have. I finished uh, the Witcher expansions. Uh, I beat both of those, and I did all of the scavenger hunts for all of the pieces of armor. So I got as close to completionist as you can without a huge amount of luck and like research, because uh, there are like encounters that you can come across that I might not have come across. But everything that was in my list, including finding all of the Gwent cards, I did nice. find. So I'm quite pleased with that. And then I started playing Zoo Tycoon, which is surprisingly (laughs) fun. You know, I'm not going to judge it. It's a fun little game. I made loads of different zoos. I started to really figure out what the money makers were. You know, we've got to have lots of snakes because there's only one to a pin and the guests love them. Listen, we are doing our best out of here. So (laughs) that's what I've been playing. Were you apologizing? Were you you a snake apologist for the Zoo Tycoon? (laughs) Nice. Um, I used to really like like the Railroad Tycoon and the Amusement Park uh, Sims where you were putting them together. I do remember those uh, as some of my favorite games, PC games growing up. Um, and I say growing up, I mean, I was probably, I don't know, adolescent in high school when those games were coming out because that was like mid-90s. Early, mid-90s, late-90s. Yeah, that was like classic 90s. Yeah, like Doom came out 95, 94, 95 or something like that on the computer. And so I definitely had Doom. But, um, yeah, I love the Tycoon games. I haven't played one in a while, though. And I've heard... Well, it's free with Game Pass. If you've got Game Pass Ultimate, you can get yourself some Zoo Tycoon. Yeah, well, my son's back into Fortnite, so I, I don't know. I don't even know where my... Duh. I haven't even got to finish uh, <laughs> the uh, Jedi Fallen Order. Everybody's well, anyway, raving about Jedi Fallen Order. Though. It's fantastic. It's good if you can play it, I'm telling you, you would. I think you'll really like it. If you, if you really, if you like Star Wars at all, it's a good Star Wars story. Like, I'm not saying they dropped the ball in the movies lately. I'm not gonna not say that, but I'm going to say that the best Star Wars content, in my opinion, since maybe Knights of the Old Republic. And the Clone Wars cartoon, which came out. And Star Wars Rebels was pretty good. Uh, but those are cartoons, those aren't games. So, like, the best uh, content that they've had gaming-wise, I think, is probably Fallen Order. I think that uh, the Force Unleashed was pretty good. Force Unleashed was a pretty good game. Uh, both of them were. But the first one especially, uh, they did kind of make create a... a an unrealistic level of Jedi. I mean, they kind of like blew all the other Jedi out of the box with creating Darth Vader's apprentice who could pull a star destroyer out of the sky, literally. But you know, in this, in this game, you, I think part of it because it is Canon and it does fall within the story and it expands upon it, but it also is a, a story that's told well with characters that you, that are interesting and you care about, about, any nostalgic like throwbacks are seem necessary or at the very least they they're not just 
you know, shoehorned into it. Like there's a reason for these people to be there and they justify it. And it, and it seems like a valid reason and it, and it makes the story interesting. It's not just, you know, nostalgia for the sake of it. And, uh, and I appreciate that. And, and for the rest of it though, the majority of it is you learning about a new character, their force powers, what those force powers are and how you use them and, and, uh, and actually being a Jedi. And since, you know, um, I guess since the Force un- or uh, well, Force Unleashed to a certain extent, but Knights of the Old Republic, it's the first time I've really felt that feeling, that same feeling. And so it's a really good game. You should play it if you can. Anybody that gets a chance. Yeah. I'm waiting it. for it to go on sale, though, because I ain't about that $60 business. Now. Yeah. Well, that must tell you something. I mean, if it's still $60, there's only two reasons for that. One, it really sucks and they don't care. Or two, it's really good and they're going to get as much money out of it. They... Because if it sucks and they don't care, they've forgotten it's still sixty bucks. Here, pretty soon it would drop, but because it's it's it actually is a really good game. It's performing well. People are still buying it, you know. So they're not dropping the price probably anytime soon. I'm patient. I got infinite patience. Infinite, infinite patience. You put all your points so, into patience. If your kids been playing Fortnite, what have you been playing? That's right. Well, I've been playing uh, Disco Elysium. I've recommended this game to to Daniel heavily. Um, Disco Elysium is a journey, is an existential journey into an alcoholic's, uh, an alcoholic cop's deepest, the deepest part of his psyche. And that does not sound like a very sexy game. But, and and for some people it may not be because it's relatively slow, but it's got a, it's a slow burn. It's got a really good kind of noir story and setting. Um, I mean, I've been playing it for 10 hours, I'd say 10 hour, 10 or 12 hours at least. It says I played 21 hours, but that's because I accidentally left it on, um, all night and came back <laughs> and it, and it counts that time. So I'd say those, those eight, eight hours or so don't count, but at least 12 hours. And, uh, and, and the, the game map is relatively small. It's like a, it's like a block, a city block. And so you, you only have like. And I haven't even seen the entire map yet in 10 hours. Um, depending on where you put your points, and that's one of the biggest complaints, is you've got so many different skills that you can put your points into. Um, and every place that you put your points helps you interpret conversations and the situation. And you can look, you see clues where other people don't. You can put things together based on if you put your points into... There's one the, where I put most of my points is Inland Empire. And Inland Empire basically just means that I have intuition, cop intuition. I can read into a situation. I'm also empathetic. So if I, if I hear somebody talking to me, I can read into whether they're being emotional or if I can pry more for information. Um, I also have rhetoric, which means I can talk. I'm, I'm good at... at, at well, just talking, I guess, really. And, well, and you're persuasion. good at that. I don't think you need the skill. <laughs> I, well, unfortunately, I pretty much build all my characters the same in every role-playing game where it's offered. Um, persuasion, high. I try to make it to where I can talk my way out of most situations. And then I renegade and shoot him in the face if it doesn't work. So Nice. <laughs> yeah, you spoke about this game last time that we recorded, so I think yeah, you definitely put some award. time into it. For sure, and and but like I said, it's an ex- a journey, an existential journey, because you're constantly having these internal dialogues and discussing like the meaning of life with yourself. And um, I think that for the layperson or maybe somebody who's like uninitiated or doesn't doesn't really know much about point and click adventure games, uh, and isn't interested in that pace of gaming, probably wouldn't enjoy it. But if you don't mind. Good story. Uh, the fact that you will have to read some of the dialogue. A lot of it's spoken, but um, a lot of it you'll have to read as well. Uh, and and these sort of puzzles where you're having to figure out by searching, talking to people, what you should do in the next part. I mean, to me, that's gaming. That's stuff that I've done ever since I started gaming, and so that's stuff I really enjoy in a game. And the story's great, so yeah, this is... It was one of my games of the year last year, and I still haven't finished playing it. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm still playing it. So you that's cracked me up. Yeah. Y'all should play it, too. 
So gaming news. What gaming news do you got? Or do you have any? I've got I've got I one. Do. Hang on, I have to open my notes because I actually took notes this time. You'll be impressed. Uh, so I've got two pieces of gaming news. Uh, so the first one is that in the UK, video game sales have actually dropped for the first time since 2012. And um, that's physical disc game sales have dropped significantly. And digital game sales have dropped as well, leading to just like a very nominal couple percentage points increase year on year. So it's the first time since the Great Recession that people have actually not bought as many games. Now the pundits are saying it's because people know a new console is coming out, but actually all the news that we've been hearing about these consoles, they're all going to be backwards compatible, so that really shouldn't stop you. So I really, I'm not certain why people are buying significantly less games. So that's my first story. And then the second one is that... uh, the, t- the PS4 exclusive Horizon Zero Dawn will actually be losing its PS4 exclusivity. So uh, Kotaku reported that the manufacturer's Guerrilla Games will be porting it to PCs in, in February. Um, so at some point this year, maybe not February, but at some point this year, it's going to be available on the Steam and Epic Games Store, which is the first time in recorded history that a PS4 exclusive has actually been put out on PC or on another device. So everyone's a bit shocked and concerned because with the new console launch coming up, it doesn't seem like they can afford to be losing exclusives. Um, But I did read a news story about the Xbox One X from Forbes, where they're saying, actually, Microsoft doesn't care if you buy the new console. They're more about getting everyone signed up for Xbox Game Pass and Xbox Live. That that's actually where the money is. So they don't really care if you buy the console or if you play it on your PC or if you play it on whatever, just so long as you're connected to their services. And that's sort of where they're moving the the model along, which seems interesting to me, actually, because I don't realize, I don't think anyone does realize how much money they're actually spending on services beyond the console. I think we all think about, oh no, this year we've got to spend 500 bucks on a new console. But actually, for the past, you know, 10 years, we've been spending, you know, 75, 100 bucks a year, plus 10 bucks a month or 15 bucks a month on passes for stuff. So actually, that's where their money is. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I get, I spent one dollar on Game Pass. Um, at least for the rest of most of this year, I'll have it for a dollar. I don't know that I'll continue to pay for it though after that because I don't get a chance to play it, and my son doesn't really play it. It's worth it if you can, I think, because um, they do have some pretty good games. It's cheaper than it would be if you were renting them, the, those games, and so that seems to make sense. But yeah, that's a really good point. I actually just started jotting down my monthly or the monthly costs for me, uh, um, between Xbox and, and, uh, PlayStation, that's $10 a month just between those two for their online service, you know, just for Xbox gold, you know, for gold and, and PlayStation plus, but you do get, what is that? 12 to 24 to 30 games a year, you know, through that process. And then you got 14, you know, I got Netflix, um and Disney and uh you know I have my World of Warcraft subscription which I do 6 months now so it's actually like $2 cheaper if you do it that way a month anyway all that to say is you're right I don't think about that uh what we do and what we pay that's that's very true um so it was interesting to see what Forbes was saying about that that's why they don't really care if you buy the new console, just so long as you don't cancel any of your subscriptions. So there's going to be a big push for the games to all be compatible with the other devices. I don't think they have any plans to release Xbox Series X only games. It looks like the lineup, from what I can tell, they all play on the Xbox One as well. Okay, okay. Well, I do know that, um, well, with my news, uh, it's going to be predominantly about Cyberpunk uh, 2077. One of the things that uh, Project Red said is that they have no desire to upgrade 
what they were currently working on to work exclusively for the new specs on that system. So they're coming out Xbox One and PS4. That's like what their plan is. And um, and I thought that was interesting too, considering how close they are to the end of the cycle, that it, it might, uh, how, how, how that might affect it, especially considering how much they supported The Witcher after the fact, you know, if you're going to, you can't necessarily release DLC for a game on a on an upgraded console without upgrading the game, you know, unless it is backwards compatible. So that makes sense. Uh, and Cyberpunk looks fantastic anyway, and so you know, I don't, I don't see a need for that necessarily either. But unfortunately, well, I think since it's been yeah. pushed back to September, they might yeah. actually be able to upscale the graphics for people who do buy the new console i think with the push towards more like digital releases of games it does give them a lot of flexibility to patched improved graphics after the fact so they could upscale a version for do you know what i mean they could do right. that if they wanted to yeah and and they and they they could uh again that's that's way out of my wheelhouse in terms of uh savvy i don't i don't know what that all would entail um but i imagine it does come in it does kind of revolve around this next part uh the the news that i wanted to discuss which is crunch we've already done an episode on crunch um cyberpunk uh has been delayed and project red has said that crunch that a bit of crunch is necessary to get this game out by the deadline that they've set. It's one of the reasons why it has been delayed so that they don't have to abuse it as much as, as uh, maybe has been abused in the past by Rockstar and Bioware and some of these other places. Um, but I just, just a quick philosophical aside. Is crunch just a thing? Like, and, and you know, let me preface it. Um, Jim Sterling has done a lot of episodes on on it, and I've completely I, I'm ninety nine percent of the time I agree with what Jim Sterling says. I feel like he's very objective about the way he approaches things, and if it's if it's not right, it's not right. If it's right, it's right. And he's he sees both sides generally. In this particular instance, again, I without knowing all of the details, the only thing I can think of is comparing this. To almost every, and and that doesn't mean that all of these are even right, but almost every other profession out there that has a a period of time, and it and it, you know, it it um it may oscillate, you know, it may not, it may not, it's not it's not permanent, it's it's not something that's regular, but every now and then you have a a period of time where you have to buckle down and work harder and longer than you ever had to any other time. I'll say, for instance, in my profession, where if I have a deadline, a writing deadline, and or I've got a reviewing deadline where I'm reading somebody else's manuscript and I've got to get it in uh, by this time, whether I've got kids sick or whatever else. Now, I can always not do those things or, or uh, you know, and I can let them know that I'm, I don't have the time after the fact. But again, if you do that, then I don't get asked again to review. And that's part of how I get promoted is by my service to my profession, um, by publishing articles. I don't get time as a professor, generally, to write while I'm at work. So when I'm writing, it has to be outside of work, before work. Um, those, are, those are times when I'm going to have to come in and work longer, work on the weekends. I'll have to write on the weekends. That's work. You know, I'm not getting paid extra to do those things. I get paid a salary. And I do anyway, all that to say is I think that many professions have a version of crunch that's not regular and it's not it's not a permanent fixture, but it is kind of a part of it. And I don't know if it's right or wrong or good or bad. I just know that it is a part of it. And I wanted to see what you thought about that real quick, because we don't we don't have to we got too many other things to talk about. <laughs> but uh, I just, you know, wanted to see what you thought about is crunch on a smaller scale okay or is it just across the board you should be able, you need to get off work and when you leave work you leave work there well i would say somewhere that, between you know you are right that most jobs have stuff that you're expected to do and your 
goal is to hit whatever deadline's been set for you. And if, through no fault of your own or your own procrastination, you're not meeting, meeting those deadlines, yeah, you either work extra hours or you accept the consequence of not hitting them, sure. What I would say, it seems like the difference between crunch in the video game industry and when people have to work harder to meet their own deadlines in other jobs is that crunch in the video game industry seems to be a sustained, prolonged expected part right. of these people's jobs both unpaid and unbudgeted for you right. know they they have a pretty good idea how long these games take to make and the fact that crunches will go on for six to eight weeks at times that doesn't seem like good management and good planning so I think that's why people are so upset. It's it's one thing to have to work for a couple days, a little bit longer, in order to hit a deadline on a project. But if the whole thing is your whole job, this game it being their whole job, if that is consistently pushed to the point where it's beyond capability of doing, and the expectation is that you'll just live there for 60 hours a week, or 70, or in some cases 100 hours a week, you know, and you're not getting paid any extra. That's just somebody has set a deadline that is impossible to achieve. Right. I think that's where the problem actually lies. It's one thing to now and again need to stay later. All of us are adults. We all have something like that in, their, in our job where we need to do that for one reason or another. But I wouldn't say for any of us we have to spend six to eight weeks with the expectation that that's just what our life's going to be like. You know, that, right. that doesn't seem the same. No, and I and I think you're right. And and in hearing your explanation, I think that maybe a remedy or at least something that would be acceptable to me, because if you some people may love it, that may be life and and people burn out in every profession. Um, I think that maybe a, a remedy could be if if crunch is expected or if crunch is necessary, you know, and we didn't plan or budget time and it's just taken longer than we thought, which happens on every contracting job that I think I've ever seen in the history of life. You build a house, you have a deadline, it's going to be late. Whether something's going to happen. Um, they don't necessarily get paid anymore to build your house. That was the price. Now, sometimes they'll come back and say, well, this costs this and this costs this and we it's the budget has increased. Movies do that. Movies go over budget. Movies extend on, on a lot of those sets. They're they're working 10, 12, 16 hours sometimes, sometimes more than that. Um, I think the remedy might be to be compensated, you know, be compensated for your time that there is something built in there. It's like, all right, we're. We're going to have to do more. We're going to have to, you know, I think there's something to revisit in the future. So we'll yeah. table that. But I think that's, I think that to an extent that crunch or a version of crunch is always going to be in almost every profession. But how do you fix what right now is definitely broken, a broken system and make it not only tolerable, but uh, rewarding for the employees who do all the hard work, who are out there, you know, they're breaking their backs for these games for months, sometimes without any compensation. And then at the end of it all, uh, they're let go. And that's just unacceptable. So anyway, so <clears throat> that was my, excuse me, that was my news was cyberpunk's delayed, unfortunately, to the, to the, I think the third or fourth quarter september yeah they're saying september they're delayed and they still will have crunch this is what's amazing right, to right. Me. yeah they're delayed and they're gonna have crunch and they admitted it they're like <laughs> they basically just said it we're gonna have a little bit of crunch here which probably just getting out in front of it you know why wouldn't they just delay it till christmas and have no crunch <laughs> like i don't yeah. get it uh, christmas would be a good release date i wonder because uh, i don't know that's a good question well, that's the gaming news, or at least that which we care about. And that brings us to the the topic of the day uh, for this episode, and that is the games that we're looking forward to. Every year we do this, um, we have a wish list of games uh, that we hope are released this year and that, we, that we're most likely going to try out, or at least have piqued our interest. So, um, I've got a list here, and, I, and it looks like some of ours overlap, which is okay. That may be for completely different reasons, but I'm, I'm, I was glad to see that I've actually got some on here that you don't. Well, I would be surprised if you didn't, as you own every <laughs> console, and I only have one. It's true, it does kind of limit your, your scope there. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, all right, you want to start off, or what? 
Yep, so uh, my first game is Resident Evil 3, coming out on the PC, Xbox One, and PS4, scheduled for release April 3rd. Um, I really like to play all of the Resident Evils that come out. I find them enjoyable all of the time. Um, I don't ever expect much from them. It's usually sort of the same old, same old story, but I do find them kind of a exhilarating play. They're not too scary. They're not trying to really frighten you. It's just more the stakes seem a little bit higher than your normal shooter. So I enjoy Resident Evil. I'm looking for it to come out here in the spring and I will probably pick it up shortly after. That's not a day one purchase for me, but it's a game I would look to play in 2020. Nice. You know, I, the Resident Evil 2 look great. It's Again, we, we don't have to go over this. This is well-tread territory for me. I am not a horror fan to play it. I am a horror fan of watching the games. And so uh, I will watch the Scary Game Squad or some other group of people play through <laughs> Resident Evil 3. Um, it they, they did such a good job of remaking, remastering, remaking, really, building it almost from the ground up, uh, Resident Evil 2. So I'm anxious to see kind of how they do this game because this is a beloved game in the series for a lot of people, and uh, yeah, so that's I, that's a good that's a good choice. Uh, for me, I guess kind of uh, in a way, in my strange mind, working uh, this is related, and I, I guess because it's not that's a remake, and this is uh, an indie game, it, but it's a sequel to an indie game, and this is uh, Ori. In the Will of the Wisps, it's a platformer. Um, it's a puzzle platformer. It's one of those games that um, that kind of caught me by surprise. It's got really, again, it's got really good music. It's not a secret that I love the music in games, and and that usually is a big draw and a hook for me. Uh, but I don't know. Have you? Did you play Ori? Ori in the Blind Forest. <laughs> that I take it as a no. Um, it's it's really a, it's an emotional game, uh, you, especially for a game that has zero dialogue in it, for the most part. Um, everything is conveyed in in the story and in the action in the game. You're so, such an old softy. I, I would find it impossible to conjure up any emotion about something that didn't talk to me. Well, you just have to watch this this big bear-like creature that that rescues you and you're this little white wisp thing it's not a wisp but you, it looks like a little cat that glows white man this is you've not been a good softened by children i'm I sorry have, i'm right? sorry I'm you lost wuss. your edge <laughs> i have lost my edge. that's why i still have the motorcycle um anyway it looks really good i enjoyed the first uh ori and the blind forest uh in terms of a platformer it was a beautiful game uh it was actually pretty challenging at at times and so uh this is a sequel to that and so i'm i'm looking forward to it was this was the first game that i saw that came up and it's actually released i think in february so it's coming up the first game that was going to be released this year that i was uh, gonna give it give a shot to so and for all the serious gamers out here we've just blanked that last minute and a half out of our memories <laughs> Right, so now for games that don't involve little cute wisps and little berry wares in the woods, uh, we've got Dying Light 2. Uh, oh, yeah, literally yeah. a game for bad boys, yeah? Bad boys doing bad boy things. Listen, That's the right. first Dying Light, I enjoyed it. Going out at night was truly terrifying, honestly. I yeah. barely forced my character to do it. It was super rare. Uh, only when the missions forced me to. The rest of the time, I was harpooning and swinging my way around. Par hardcore parkour. Listen, it's a great game. I don't know why it didn't receive as much praise as it should have, the first one, when it came out. But the just the physics and the mechanics of the gameplay itself are so fun. And sometimes I think people get a bit too caught up in the story like this one doesn't have really a story and who cares when you can hardcore parkour uh <laughs> it's coming out in the spring pc ps4 and xbox one and i'm on fire for it the first one was great i wanna i wanna have a big machete samurai sword situation and harpoon my way around the city again it was great well it's another game I don't think I'm going to get it, uh, take a crack at. May watch someone else do it. Man, those, they just stress me out too much. Um, for me, the next game uh, on my list that I don't think you have is Gods and Monsters. 
Um, Gods and Monsters is a game. I'm, I know it's coming out on Xbox. I'm not sure about PS4. Um, that looks a lot like Breath of the Wild. Um, it looks a lot like Breath of the Wild, but it, in terms of like maybe the the, the shaded graphics um, and maybe the 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 view from the character's perspective. I can guarantee and, you this is not on my list. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, maybe not, but I think if you look at it, you might find find it to be more interesting. It's not a Zelda game, and it's not... You're not... You don't have the mechanics you did in the Zelda game. Um, but uh, it's, it's set more in the ancient Greece times, and you are dealing with mythological monsters and, and, um, and gods in that perspective. And it's open world... Uh, you know, and so it's it's a it's a big sprawling landscape, and that you run across, and whatever you see off in the distance, if it's the Parthenon or whatever version of whatever other historical building that's out there, you could go to climb um, battle gods and and battle monsters, and it it just looks interesting. It looks like a game that I would be interested in picking up and playing aesthetically, and then also thematically. So, well, if it's got a flute in it, all bets are off. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I don't know that it does. Maybe a harp. <laughs> wow. Uh, right, so uh, the third one on my list, another bad game for bad boys, Cyberpunk 2077, coming out on September 17th right now, although it could get delayed again, who knows. It's for PC, Xbox One, and PS4. My birthday is actually the next day, so it's going to be happy early 35th birthday present to me if they nice. release it on time. But I'm super excited about it. I like the way CD Projekt Red tells a story. I think its characters are interesting. They're not like as boilerplate as many other kind of traditional NPC characters you're used to interacting with are. I am always amazed by the expansions, the level of detail. I mean, I got probably 40 hours of gameplay out of those two expansions. I will say I'm pretty quick with finding the stuff, and my character, my Geralt, was very, very high level before I even loaded the expansions. I think he was level 31 or 35 when I even started them. Um, so I was already quite high level, and I did all the side quests before I did the main quests. So... Um, I did complete it quicker than maybe most, but for the amount that I paid for the expansions, which I got the expansion pass, it was like seven quid, totally worth it. It gave as much content as the original game did in a lot of ways, um, and expanded on the story. I will say a slight criticism, you do not really get to interact with a lot of the characters that you would have met earlier, so, you know... Siri and Yennefer and Triss, they really weren't, they weren't in it at all. Siri was right. there at the very end, but like, you know, had nothing to do with the story at all. So it's not a spoiler. She would just showed up. Um, so that's my only criticism, but I think cyberpunk is going to be a really interesting game. And I'm on purpose, not watching a lot of stuff related to it because I really want to be surprised and I don't want any preconceived notions of what it's supposed to be when I turn it on. But that's definitely a day one purchase for me. And one of the few day one purchases on this list. That's true. Well, one of the few that for that you ever have. You normally don't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Cyberpunk's definitely on my list too for the same reasons, and I actually have pretty much done the same thing. I'm I'm not. I've kind of have a blackout in terms of media. I'm not watching any trailers for it or anything. I'm just kind of letting it. it. The only news that I knew about it was what we reported that it's delayed. So I needed to know when I can buy it. Uh, but I don't really care about anything else. I know enough about it that I all that I want to know about it. Keanu Reeves is in it, so we're just yeah, going to go from there. <laughs> but uh, a game that's not, and, and just uh, for the record, the Gods and Monsters game is being developed uh, by the same. I guess it's I guess Ubisoft is doing it. It's uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. So. That's who's developing Gods and Monsters. So I don't know. I have Odyssey. Blech, I played Assassin's it. Creed. Blech. Oh, I know. I know. I just I can't control him. I can't control him. He doesn't stop. It's so annoying. <laughs> it's so annoying. Well, the next one for me uh, is all has also been delayed, but I'm interested. Uh, looking forward to seeing how this plays out. Is the Marvel's Avengers game, which is coming out in September? Uh, it's supposed to be similar to the Spider-Man game, which was such a good game was uh, I, I can't remember if it was my game of the year two years ago but if it wasn't it was close 
You're such a softy. Listen to your list. (laughs) (laughs) No horror games, I can tell you that. Um, The uh, no, the but it's the thing about that game was when you were Spider-Man, and maybe it's Spider-Man, and you and that's lightning in a bottle, and you can't do it again. But with Marvel's Avengers, you're supposed to be able to embody those characters, and and it will be or feel like what it was to be those characters we've played games like marvel ultimate alliance i loved those games when they came out marvel on ultimate alliance is a legitimately great game and storm great, is the best i i loved that game and, and the and the couch co-op uh was some of the best that had been in games in a long time and maybe since this game is supposed to be more like the the playstation i mean the the i'm sorry the uh Spider-Man game, and so if they can capture that, now you're playing more than one character, though. Now you're playing, you know, maybe, I think, based on the trailer, it looks like Cap dies, and so maybe you're only playing as some of the characters. I know, I know. Um, Obviously, that's probably not going to stay canon, that something will have to be fixed along the course of the game. You can't kill Cap. I may throw this in the trash, if that's the case. Um, but But because... I'm literally looking forward to this based on nothing more than the fact that they are they're approaching this the same way they did the Spider-Man game. Even though it's a different publisher and different group, it's it they're approaching it the same. So on that pedigree alone is why I'm looking forward to it. It may be a complete flop. It could be why they're delaying it as far as they as long as they are, but it is a game that's on my radar that I'm looking for. It's not a day one purchase, but it is a game that I'm that's on my radar. Uh, to play for sure. Okay. Well, we're slowly edging into territory I have interest in. <laughs> <laughs> it maybe uh, right. So the next one for me, not a day one purchase, but something along the lines of things that I'm going to be taking a look at is uh, Halo Infinite coming out on uh, PC, Xbox One, and Xbox Series X for the holiday season. Um, I've had quite a division in in terms of halo and the fact that i find that it's not really couch co-op to be super frustrating but i've played all of the halos uh except for halo 5 which i will get around to playing i think it's on game pass i just need to do it um but i do want to continue playing them i just am disappointed in the direction they're taking the franchise and that's why i'm not looking at this as a day one purchase but it's on the list that's on my list as well um, and for the first time in a long time, like I don't, I think Halo Reach was the last one I played, and I think Halo Reach is the one. Spoiler alert: Halo Reach is the one where you, the game ends with you dying, right? And you fall on the battlefield, and you just get to watch everybody else step over your body. Yeah, I don't really remember. I remember Halo 1 and 2 the best. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Which well, is I weird because they're older. But Halo 3 wasn't bad. Uh, Halo 4 wasn't bad. But I didn't even play Halo 5. I loaded it up, realized there was no co-op, returned it. <laughs> returned it. Well. Harsh. Harsh, that is harsh. Um, for me, the next one... Uh, I'm I'm making sure that I've got this information correct. Um, And I think this is on your list as well, but um, Vampire the Masquerade. Yep, uh, that's my next one, so we can talk about it together, yeah. Yeah, that's the the next one on my list. Uh, I did not play the first one, but I'd heard so much about it. And I guess it's been out, it's been over, it's almost 10 years or so, maybe, that that game's been out. Um, the first, the first one anyway. Uh, and so I did some research on it. It's, uh, it's definitely up my alley in terms of, of the type of game that I'm interested in. And that's a game that you get to pick your class or character and you build your character and they have character, you know, they have stats and characteristics based on the class that you pick. And from there you kind of play based on that. And that's like. Right up my alley. The only difference is, is the setting is you're a you're a vampire, you know. Um, oh yeah. I follow the you know I I watch a lot of the Xbox uh, or the outside extra and 
outside Xbox uh, videos, and they, a couple of the guys on there are huge fans of this game, and they've shown some uh, some video of, uh, or some of their favorite parts, and some of their favorite parts in gaming in gaming history come from the very first iteration of this game, uh, where they play as I guess there was a class uh, like a Nosferatu class. Mm-hmm. In the first one where you basically had all the power of a vampire, but you could never hide and you were really ugly. And so it was real difficult to, to kind of persuade anybody to do anything. You, you had to kind of kill everything because no one would come near you and all that stuff. Anyway, uh, it's just it looked like a really interesting game, something that I would uh, like to play. This 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 is approaching a, a not a day one purchase per se, but definitely one that I'm looking to buy. I think it will take that long for me to play it anyway that it wouldn't make sense to rent it. But Xbox uh, and PS4, so yeah, for that release. Well, it's funny because uh, this game, what you might not know, is it's, uh, I think it's a White Wolf property, but it, it's most commonly known as a LARPing franchise, which I actually played Vampire the Masquerade when I LARPed in college. So this is oh, like nice. throwback, throwback. Uh, so I'm excited to see it. Um, I've never played the video game adaptations, but I have played the original source material LARP. So I understand all the classes and everything, and I know like how they're supposed to be played. So I'm going to be interested to see how well that translates to video game. And I think it could be Yeah, I, I had no idea even about that part of it. That's very Yeah, you should uh, look up the, the LARPing part of it. Uh, not that you have time to do LARP, but just in general, it is interesting. That's sort of its foundation. Interesting. Okay. Well, what's your uh, next? So my next one is not a game, but it is a console, uh, Xbox Series X console. Depending on the price, and that's going to be a huge factor for me. But I, I am interested in picking it up. I think it has a lot of features that interest me. I think the form factor interests me. I've got limited space here, so it'll be interesting to see if it fits into my entertainment center which is very very small um but i've always you know since the early 2000s i've always picked up the new xbox consoles when they've come out so i've I've had every xbox console that has existed to this point and i plan to get the next one it just depends whether or not i'll be able to afford it as a day one purchase or if i'll have to wait for an after christmas sale or something (laughs) save your pennies now Well, um, I, I imagine that I will get that at some point. Um, I only have every other console ever, so most likely. But uh, the next one is a game for me, and, and I didn't really—I didn't even think of this as a horror game. But I guess you could, and this would be the only one on the list, and the only only one that I'll play, and and the most excruciating game probably for anybody else to watch me play, and that's The Last of Us Two. The Last of Us 2, it comes out in May. I believe it's PS exclusive, PS4 exclusive. Um, and so, yeah, I think it is because this is what I told you. I was I was willing to send you my PlayStation <laughs> 3 just so you could play it. You still um, haven't done it yet. The, you still haven't done it. I know it. I know, and I've got a copy of it. for. I mean, and I'm not playing it, so. But, uh the the what's excruciating for me or for others if you were to watch me play it and I had a buddy that watched me play this game he was terrible at it because his approach to the game was to just go in like Rambo and shoot everything and you have such limited resources that in that game you kind of have to sit and wait a lot and watch the patterns of everybody and sneak by it's better to be stealthy um the cephala the cephalocord cephalobot anyway whatever the they're called the uh, the clickers, they can't see you, but they can hear you. And so, you know, if you make noise, they will run to the area where you're making noise. And so you have to be really quiet or throw something in the opposite direction so it makes noise. So they'll run to that and you can go. Uh, they're just overwhelming and too powerful to really go at them without sneaking up on them. Uh, the, but really and truly, and just like in The Walking Dead, the most terrifying part about the game really is how evil people can be in the game. They're, they are actually worse, and the worst monsters, uh, than, the, you know, than the people that are afflicted with the, you know, the spores. And so 
it looks really good. It's I played the first one. It was it's one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, it has some of the best game music that's ever been written, and uh, one of the more entertaining emotional stories in games. I would argue I'd put that up against almost any game. Uh, the decision. Uh, the, the decisions you have to make along the way, the very beginning of the very first game is heartbreaking. I mean, it's one of the few games that's that emotional from the beginning to me anyway, that's that realistic, that kind of elicits that type of emotion. So this is this is probably the game that I'm most looking forward to this year. Besides, well, besides Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk I'm looking forward to most. This is a close second. Do you know how far in the future this second game is supposed to take place? Not that far. Uh, it, it not more than a few years at most. I don't know exactly how, how far in the future. I know that you play or at least begin the game as, as Ellie. So you're playing as as her. Um, and I, I haven't seen Joel at all in any of the promotional material. He so did. Maybe he's dead. He may be, and that's the thing. You you don't really know. Um, she has, she's aged. She's older, um, and and that's who you start off playing as. And and if you played the first game, you realize she's formidable. She's completely capable as a character to hold her own. I mean, she, you didn't play her, and 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 she wasn't an escort quest. I mean, there's a whole part of the game where she is the main character in the first first game. So. All right. Completely well, capable. That sounds good. I mean, I wish that they stopped making it as exclusive because I just think it's unfair <laughs> to uh, the rest of us who don't own every console. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> it, whatever, yeah. Uh, so the next game for me is actually a game where this is the third in the franchise. It's Watch Dogs Legion. And the second one in the franchise I actually hated. So this is definitely not a day one purchase for me, but it is a game that I would pick up uh, on rental or secondhand. But I am interested to see if they fix some of the control issues that they had with the second one. It just wasn't, it didn't flow very well. It wasn't really intuitive. I didn't enjoy it. But I really like the first one a lot. So I'm hoping that maybe control-wise and gameplay-wise they sort of went back to the first one. Um, but we'll see. I haven't watched much about it. I just know that it's queued for release um, on PC, PS4, Xbox One, and Google Stadia. So it'll be interesting to see how that game performs um, and whether or not they've fixed the things about it that I didn't like. Not that I'm the end-all, be-all authority, but it did. The second one sucked. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, I don't. I don't necessarily. I'm, I'm not. That's not on my radar necessarily, but uh, that's because there's not a bear and a tiny wisp. We know what you like. It's you know. Well, I have I have my my style, my genre, the the games that I like, and and you know, to each their own. Um, for me, the next one on my list that I would like to try is uh, Skull and Bones. Have you seen anything on this mm -mm, one? This no. one, this it made me laugh when I thought about it because I was like, well. Amanda will definitely be thrown in. No, the is it Sea of and Thieves Part Two? No, it's much more realistic. Um, it's it's also multiplayer, uh, and uh, let me see exactly who. For listeners that aren't familiar with the Sea of Thieves saga, long story, incredibly short. <laughs> the first time I met other people, they locked me in the brig and took turns throwing up and playing accordion at me. So I didn't have a good time. <laughs> No, no, uh, but it was it was a good time had by everyone else. Uh, I laughed pretty hard. I don't know how I why why I willingly got into the cage. I literally have no idea why I did that, but whatever. So, <laughs> you willingly got in there. It yes, was. I works. thought we were playing yeah. a game. <laughs> uh. Let's see. Well, I, I can't get any. So this is really, it's got to be a a game that uh, I, I'm not, it's not a day one game to play, but it is definitely a game that uh, I'm interested in, in, in learning more about. I guess it's online exclusively, which may be a deal breaker for me. But if you check it out, I mean, I, I've, I've played Sid Meier's Pirates. I really enjoyed that game, even though it was more of a 
a, a simulation. Uh, you still had to sail and find treasure and interact with other pirates and stuff like that. And that, that stuff was cool and interesting to me. Um, this looks like a, a realistic version of that where you'll interact. It, it sounds a lot like uh, Sea of Thieves, only a more realistic version of it. Oh, good. So the accordion will um, be full-size. Brilliant. Basic, exactly. Real <laughs> vomit. Uh, actually, it looks like they will... It looks like they took uh, the Assassin's Creed um, Black Flag and the parts, the pirate parts of that, and they made an entire... Fleshed an entire game out of that. Nope, thanks. So, I'm going to keep my own, and I'm going to look at it. It's not a horror game, so... Well, the last <laughs> game I have on my list is... Werewolf the Apocalypse Earthblood. It's for PC, PS4, Xbox One, slated for 2020 release. So much like Vampire the Masquerades, Werewolf, not the Apocalypse, but Werewolf the Gathering, which is also a White Wolf franchise, is also an original LARP title. So for that reason, I'm interested to see what they do with a game. Um, and I played that one as well when I was in college, so that's why it's on the list. Not a day one purchase. Because nice. I find that white wolf and these other tabletop and larp game companies actually tend to not produce the best quality work so it's not really worth buying on day one no offense to them they're great at right. you know D tabletop and larp but video games don't seem to be something that they're putting enough money and resources into to actually make a groundbreaking game but you know i'll i'll hold my I'll hold my comments until I actually see what it's like, but it's I'm on it's on my radar. Nice. Well, then for me, the last one here I have is uh, uh, Neo Two, N I O H Two. Um, the first one I played very briefly and I enjoyed it, but I just never got to go back to it and play it. Um, it's made by Team Ninja. I don't know if it's Xbox and PlayStation. I believe it's just PlayStation. Um, yeah, I think it's just PS4. Yeah, exclusive PlayStation game. Um, but it's, you know, a, a mix of myth and legend and set, you know, in feudal Japanese. Uh, so, you know, samurai swords and, and uh, magic and monsters and things like that. It's, it's a, you know, a third-person action. There are RPG elements to it, but, um, you know, you get tired of hearing the Demon Souls comparison. It, it, I mean, there, there are, um, there's a little bit of that in it as well. I mean, it is challenging if you ever played any other Team Ninja game or played Ninja, uh, Ninja Gaiden. Um, that was a hard game, but, but you may not have played. I don't I know if you, it was I on Xbox. I don't typically play like JRPGs or Japanese style action games. Well, you're missing out. That's okay. That's why there's <laughs> it, uh, diversity this, in this podcast. That's exactly right. Absolutely. So, um, but it, it looks like another game. That, and I think one of the reasons it appeals to me is it's a game that I feel like I could pick up and play. And then when uh, the kids have to do something in, in the middle of a gaming session and I have to put it down, uh, I can come back and not be completely lost. Because that invariably is absolutely going to happen. So. Well, I think there's a solid mix for people to have a look at. I mean, between our our, sub our suggestions are quite diverse, so that should interest most yes. people in at least something. Yeah, absolutely. And and there are some other games that I that I kind of am thinking about, but you know, some of them are remakes. Final Fantasy VII's coming out, Psychonauts is coming out, but you know, we'll see. Those 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 weren't. I wasn't excited enough about those to make the list. So. Well, I've heard rumors of some other franchises coming out, like a, um, a Dragon Age 4 coming out, but they've not assigned a release date, so you never know. That could take five years. Exactly. I haven't seen anything about that, so yeah, I didn't even want to speculate. And I didn't play the last two, so... Absolute shame on you. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But... Well, that wraps up this episode of Retro Rebel Gamecast. I want to thank Amanda for this week's discussion. All of the notes from this episode will be posted on our site, templeofgeek.com. If you'd like to add to the discussion or reach out with questions, sound off in the comments or email us at retrorebel at templeofgeek.com. 
If you like what you hear, head over to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and subscribe so you'll be sure to get each episode as it's released. And rate us because that really helps our show. Until the next time.